Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Thank you, Pastor TJ, servant heart man. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome, Trinity. My name is Ruan. I'm one of the elders here at the church. Uh, Welcome, online family. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, It's my my privilege to speak with you this morning. Uh, Good skit. Uh, always nice also in worship to see people at the altars. Uh, it's always special to come forward. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to today, I'm, a few times I'm going to say, uh, raise your hand, ready to come forward, uh, ready to submit, ready to give in. Uh, I think we all know that there's something special that happens when you take that little step and you come forward and you commit to God, right? Uh, my dad has got, a, my dad's got a, one of those tough sayings he always says. He says, well, if I repent but I don't change, is it still sin? can ask sorry, but if I don't step out and I'm willing to change, did I really repent? So, tough thought, but <clears throat> so uh, we've been going through the series of elements, which has been nice. Last week we had a bit of a break and did the Father's Day thing, which was special for all the dads. Um, I think the moms felt a little left out, but that's okay. Mother's Day is coming. Mother's Day is coming. Um, and so in the Element series, of course, we talked a lot of things. Worship, prayer, love, you know, the word, prayer, all these beautiful things that we know, the elements of our faith. How are we put together and what does it take of us to be followers of Christ? Uh, and today I'm going to talk a little bit about the one that nobody likes to talk about, and that's the one that's stewardship, which was, uh, of course, what our skid was today. So... Uh, I'm, I'm going to forewarn you, uh, I'm going to go a little long, so be ready. I think it's okay if the people come in for the second service and we're still praying, that's okay, right? They can just join, won't be too bad. Uh, I do feel, of course, a little offended by Pastor TJ as usual because uh, you know, stewardship is one of those things nobody wants to talk about, you know, finances, money, all these type of things. Uh, so what I've done is I've asked the, the security team to be on special high alert. Um, <laughs> We've locked the doors at the front. They will allow people in, people going out, not so much. Um, and there's a couple of guys in the crowd that used to play football. Um, so if you decide to run, they might take you out. So just be ready. I'm not just, just, uh, just be ready, right? So uh, I also have two little extra tidbits. Uh, I have a little guest speaker that's going to join me in between. So that's always nice. Little guest speaker surprise. That's always nice. Uh, And then at the end, um, I'm going to speak something over all of us, which the first time I heard it was a a real prophetic word that was spoken over my life, Um, and I would want to speak it over yours, right? So even makes me emotional just thinking about it, you know? So uh, the prophetic is a gift from God, uh, and it is a blessing, and we celebrate it. Um, And that prophetic is definitely challenging in most cases, so I ask you to be open And during this whole service, if there's anything that happens or you feel the Holy Spirit prick your heart or you're one of those people that raise your hand because you agree with me, chances are good God wants you to come to the front at the end of the service and pray about it. So I'm challenging us. Uh, It's a tough one, so be ready for it. But um, So thanks to sneaky Pastor TJ. Um, Stewardship is a a tough one. Uh, I don't want to just specifically talk about finances only, so don't be concerned. Um, But I do want to forewarn all of us. I remember over the years, the amount of times I listened to a teaching about stewardship and finances. Immediately, I felt like my my back straightened out a little bit, and I'm like, okay, here it comes. He's going to ask me for something, right? He's going to push my buttons. Um, And so uh, our guest speaker that will come up later, he he gave me this line, so I stole it from him up front. Uh, And the line is that if you don't truly understand lordship, 
and ownership of what belongs to Him, the discussion of stewardship is always going to sit wrong with you in your heart. Okay? So challenging thought. Understand who He is, and then these type of discussions just becomes a beautiful discussion that just makes me understand He owns it all like the skit was. He shares with us, and our job is what do you do with what you've been given? Everybody good with that? And when the guest speaker comes up later, you're going to cheer like crazy, right? Because he's a legend. He's a man that, uh, in my mind, lives open-handedly, beautiful, just, God, what do you want to give? What am I sending out again? Uh, and he lives in financial stewardship specifically, I, I believe, in excellence. Uh, so it's a good example to look to in the financial stewardships. So for a lot of you that know me, uh, I am from South Africa or from Africa. Um, so it's my, my hometown, I would say, although Landenburg now is my hometown. It's always funny when people ask me, like, where are you from? And I'm like, from Pennsylvania. And you can see they're like, that's not the answer I wanted. Give me something extravagant, you know? Give me Timbuktu, but not, not Landenburg, you know? So, um, but in South Africa, growing up there, the one thing that's very obvious in a country like that is lack. Just shortage, just not enough. Every, I remember growing up as a kid, and I would, you know, we would drive in the car, come to a street intersection, and there would be, and I'm not kidding, every intersection there's people begging. Every intersection. Families, families, moms, dads, all the kids together just begging, asking for money. So that sort of concept of lack is just heavy in South Africa, you know, um, and I think we all see it in our world today as well. Who would agree with me? Now you need to be careful because I'm going to ask you to raise your hand that this world is just full of lack. It's, there's just a feeling that there's not enough, correct? So if you raised your hand by the end of the service, you probably need to come forward. <laughs> Woo, challenging, here we go, here we go. So the question is, is there really lack? Is it true? And why is that? Why is there lack? That's the question, okay? Um, so I have some pictures of my family. Last time we were in South Africa, we went on a, a little missions trip my little boys out there, uh, it's, just, uh, it's just tough to be in a place where there's that amount of lack. It really hurts your heart. So we went out those days and, and served and gave food and just loved on people. Um, and it is incredible when you, when you talk about a missionary, for example. It is incredible. One U.S. dollar. One U.S. dollar feeds two of those kids for a day. Right? So put it in context. Uh, when we talk about stewardship and our money and our resource and the things we hold on so tightly, uh, it just has a massive impact on the world. But in, uh, in keeping with TJ's joke format, I'm going to tell a joke, because I'm not going to tell jokes the rest of the time. It's going to get very serious. So this, uh, this very rich man, years from his Christian friends, that when you die, you can't take your stuff to heaven. So he goes, not on my watch. I'm taking some stuff to heaven. So he talks with all these people that works for him. He writes it up in his will. He says to them, so when I die, you go to this vault. This is the code. I've got some gold bars in this vault. So get a bunch of those. Get some handcuffs. You know, put them in some nice big bags. Handcuff them to me. When I get to heaven, I'll be good. I'm going to take my, my gold bricks with me. So, of course, as Jesus would work, he strikes him with lightning. The next day, he dies. <laughs> oh, be careful. Uh, so he ends up in heaven, he opens his eyes, he's literally standing in heaven in front of the pearly gates, Moses is standing there, he's got his bags handcuffed to him. He's like, this worked out beautifully. So Moses comes closer, he's like, welcome, welcome, welcome to heaven, uh, what's in the bag? He goes, let me show you, big chest, you know, opens up the bag, hands out his gold bricks, shows Moses. Moses looks down, he goes, oh, wonderful, you brought us some pavement to walk on, Yay! <laughs> 
So remember, uh, and very important, uh, if you look at my next slide, it's uh, the next slide's coming. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. Uh, it really isn't. Um, God does not need your money. He needs your heart, right? Doesn't need your money. Needs your heart. Do we need to steward an excellence? Absolutely. Do we understand, need to understand that there's responsibility and a stewardship? Missionaries out on the field that need our help and our resources? Absolutely. But God doesn't need your money. He needs your heart. So I don't afterwards send emails to Pastor TJ, right? So we want to define there's a Lord, there's an owner. He owns it all. And we are called to be servants, stewards. We have the responsibility, okay? So we have the responsibility. It's all his. He gives it to us and he says... I want to trust you. Do with this what I gave you. So um, <clears throat> stewardship, the concept of stewardship, there's a very famous uh, scripture in the Bible about the talents. Everybody raise your hand. Who's heard about the talents? Who's read that scripture? Oh, I got you again. I got you again. So in Matthew 25, uh, there's a long scripture, so stick with me. Just remember, English is still my second language, so if I stumble over the words, don't, uh, just forgive me. Um, who agrees with the fact that the person you were a year ago is not the same person today. Yeah. Oh, you raised your hands again. Gotcha. Um, so remember, scriptures that seem familiar, scriptures that you've read a million times, you're not the same person you were a year ago. You're not the same person you were a week ago. God is constantly working and shifting in you. So when you read the scripture that is familiar three years ago, open your eyes, allow the Spirit to speak to you, read it in a new way. Okay? Listen to it in a new way. You're not the same person you were before. Don't believe the scriptures. Don't change also. It changes in the way we receive it. Okay? So Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. Long reading. If you have it in your, in your apps or whatever, uh, go have a look. It's good to read along. If you have a Bible, it's good to read in the Bible. I'll give you seven seconds to find it. And then put your Bible on your head. Wasn't that the game we used to play, Bible Quest? <clears throat> so verse 14, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to their ability. Key part. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more, but he who received one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. I'd love to hear that one day. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have two talents more. He said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, I will set you over much. Enter in the joy of your master. He also who had received one talent came for him, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. Isn't that funny? When we don't do what we're supposed to, we tend to attack. We tend to fight, right? So I was afraid. I went and hit your talents in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his man said, answered, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seeds. Question mark. So it's not like God says that's who he is. God goes, that's what you thought about me? That's what you think about me? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. 
And at my coming, you should, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talents from him and give it to one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And, and cast this worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Should I ask us to raise our hands? That feels a little harsh. <laughs> Um, so, of course, in this scripture, the talents here specifically refers to money. Uh, I think everybody knows the story a little bit. Talents refers to, roughly speaking, a year's worth of wages. So, you can imagine the guy that received five talents, he literally received in a lump sum, five years worth of wages. So, it's a small fortune. It's a nice amount of money for him to go do something with. But like I said earlier, I don't want to focus just on the financial side and the money aspect of it only. So, when we look at that word talents, we are talking about all things that God gives to us. He gives us not only money, He gives us many other things. And that's what I want to touch on to a little bit. So, when we come back to the, the Lordship concept, He is Lord, right? Uh, it's God's to give and it's ours to manage. It's His to give, ours to manage. Um, and the first and foundational truth of that is very, very basic, but very, very true. So again, don't listen to it like you listened to it five years ago. Listen to it new, okay? God is the owner. He is Lord. I know it's basic, but that is the truth. So in Psalm 50, 10 to 12, it says, For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the insects in the field are mine. If I were hungry, would I even ask you? For the world is mine, and all that is in it. It all belongs to Him. It all belongs to Him. What is our struggle in this world? is I want to own, okay? I want to own my life. I want to own my time, my family. I want to own my resources. I want to take control. Why? Because God doesn't have this. He doesn't know what my life is all about. He doesn't know what I'm struggling through. So just give me ownership. And that is our battle as humans, right? I want to own it all. I want to be in control of it all. Who else wanted to be in control of something they didn't create? The big bad guy with the red horns, right? Think about it. He wanted to be in control of what he didn't even create. It's a very strong concept. You don't create nothing. The money in your bank account, where does that come from? Oh, I worked hard. It's, my, it's not your money. It wasn't created by you to start with. That foundational concept is where we have to start today. Second one, foundational truth. So everybody that said at the beginning when I asked you to raise your hand, there's lack in this world. So why does the Bible that say foundational truth, there is no lack in God? Who agrees with me? God is limitless. He has got no lack. So why are we stuck in this bubble that there's not enough in this world? Why do we believe that? This is a challenging thought. So Revelation 22 verse 13 says, God says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Does that sound like somebody that has a lack? Okay. Here's the disconnect. So, Father, loving God that wants to supply all our needs, all our resources, the Bible says abundantly, over and above what we can expect or imagine, God wants to provide for us. So, why am I on a mission trip in Africa feeding kids that don't have anything? Isn't God, doesn't God love them too? Doesn't He provide to them too? Is God like some funny guy sitting in heaven with like, I've I've got my hands on all the taps of blessing, and all my taps are closed, you know, and if you pray hard enough, if you ask hard enough, if you worship loud enough, 
then I'll open my tap of blessing and let a little drop fall on you. Is that the God we serve? We serve a God where His taps are open. His blessings are flowing. The lack is not from God. The lack is from stewards. It is on us. The lack is not from Him. That Father that loves us wants to give us everything and more than we can imagine. The lack is not from Him. The lack is from us. We miss stewardship, and we then go, oh, well, I don't know why God allows these bad things to happen in the world, right? That's our favorite little line. It's because He expects us to manage what He's given us. The lack is not on Him. What happens? We start believing He's got lack. He's not enough. He's not giving enough. My paycheck isn't big enough. And that's a dangerous place to go. So no lack in Christ. Maybe in us as stewards. The second one, foundational truth, is that He has called all of us, He has gifted all of us, and He trusts us. According to that scripture, it says, Matthew 25, 14, it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants. Everybody, you are called. Allow the Spirit to speak to your heart. You are called. You are not absent from the battle of this world. You are called like all of us. Okay? You are not undergifted. You are all, we are all gifted, but we are gifted differently, okay? Differently. So don't look at it just as a financial thing. Well, clearly that guy's got a boatload of money, so he's gifted more than me, so he's got something else than me, so I'm not, I'm not going into that realm. I said earlier, one dollar feeds two kids in Africa for a day. Who's got a dollar? Come on, right? Come on. If you've got ten, give back. Give one. And if God so allows, give two and three and four and five, right? He's willing to lay his life out for us. Why would we not do the same, okay? There's and the one thing also that's important is you are trusted. It says there, entrusted to them his property. He gave and he trusts us with it. Why? We are made according to his image. He knows what is in you. He knows what you're capable of doing. Don't believe anything less. Don't believe you're not part of that game. You are in that game, and He trusts you, okay? Next foundational truth, and nobody likes this one, God expects growth, right? I gave you five, give me five back. No, God, no, you gave me one, I'm just going to give you one back. He expects growth. What is the problem? When we preach the grace gospel so heavily, and we cover everything with grace, right? God's got you, God loves you, God is great, He covers you, which means what? I don't have to do anything? That's not God, right? It starts foundationally in the understanding of grace. God loves you just the way you are. You are enough. You are powerful. You are incredible. And if you do nothing else for the rest of your life, God will still love you. But according to this passage, He wants you to do something with what you got. We don't like this, but He asks something of you by the sweat of your brow, right? He asks something. It's not just a... A God that's just, okay, just swing on by, weeping and gnashing of teeth for the servant that did nothing, right? That's not fun. I don't want that. And then the last one, and this is the one way none of us like this one, those who have will get more. Ooh, I don't like that. That's not fair, God. That's not fair. If I work so hard and I'm diligent with my money and I understand lordship and stewardship, what does God do? He gives more. And those who do not have and don't understand lordship and stewardship, he takes away from those. Why? Because he's got kingdom purposes. 
He's got kingdom purposes, and he wants to give it to those that know how to handle it. Who likes to complain about not having enough time in their day? Who feels like there's just not enough time, so much to do, can't cope, too many things? Do you want more time? Learn to figure out what to do with the time you have. Ask God. Ask God. Be a steward of the time He's given you. It's important. It's important. So what happens if we lose sight of the true owner? What does a bad owner do? A bad owner makes you a slave, right? We become our own owners. I've got control, God. I've got resources. I know how to do it. I know how to do these things. And you become a slave to your world, your environment, your job, your time, your kids. You get stuck in that battle. We all do. I do the same. We become slaves. We are the bad owners, and we become slaves. So my question is, what are you a slave to? What owns you? Think about it. What at the moment, if you sat right here and said, oh, that thing takes up too much of my time. I can't quite figure out my finances. I can't quite get to grip with the time I have in my day. It's because it owns you. And it takes diligence, like these servants. It takes work. It takes effort. I can't leave you and be like, well, I just can't figure out how to schedule my week. I'm just always overwhelmed, and I just live in that space. You think that God that slowed the sun and slowed the moon and lengthened days for people by their prayer, you think He's going to lengthen your days? You can't even steward what you got. Steward well, and He'll give you more. Nobody likes that concept, but it's true. So when you talk about the manager, then, our responsibility in this whole game, we are not the owner. It's our job to manage it. The first truth, and there's no real slide. Oh, there's a few slides for it. Good job, TJ. First point, you have to understand your value, or you have to understand the value of what you've been given. Okay? Understand the value of what you've been given. I'll explain a little bit. Are your kids miracles from God that you can't create, fathom, understand? It's a gift. It's a true miracle. How can I try and control something if I don't understand the value? My very life, my very life is a gift from God. The breath that He breathed into me is a gift from God. And I say, God, I'll control it. I got this. If I cannot fathom, if I don't understand how incredibly far beyond all the things I have in my life is of me, and how incredibly way more it is that I could ever create or imagine, what do I do if I don't understand the value of my life? I try and trade control back again. It's, it's so far beyond me, but if I start looking at my kids and I sort of dwindle down the miracle of what they are, and I don't see them, what happens? I try and own them. I try and take ownership back again. Say, okay, kids, you're going to be great kids because I have to look good in front of everybody, right? Or my money. If I don't realize that the money wasn't created by me to start with, my bank account is not because of me. I can be diligent. I can be a good steward. But it was all created. The, the gold in the mountains belongs to him. It's not yours. And if I see that as the miracle it is, then I leave it in his hands. If I don't see it as a miracle, then I take ownership back. Don't take ownership back. It's a miracle that you're just sitting here, that you can breathe, that you're alive. It's a gift from God. If you lose sight of the value of what you've been given, you try and grab back at the ownership. Don't do that. Remember the miracles. Wake up every morning and say, God, thank you, God. The joy of the mercies every day, a new day, fresh air in my lungs, I'm blessed. Okay? 
Next point, uh, understanding your identity. Um, of course, sorry, steward and obedience. Simply do what God says. Very simple. How do you know what God says? Read His Word, pray, worship, live in community. We know this. Without this, then I do what I want to do. Every financial decision is a God decision, is a stewardship decision, is a spiritual decision. Right? It doesn't just happen. It's in obedience to God. Understanding your identity, next one. If I don't know who I am, I can't work. I can't work as a steward. I can't give if I don't understand who I am. So again, I have to start out, no, I'm a loved child of God. And from that place, I love, I serve, I steward. Um, we have to boldly expand, not explain, expand, like those stewards did, right? Five talents, five more. That takes boldness, okay? I run a little business. If my business, if I literally just try and contain my little business, I could float by for the rest of my life, earn a good paycheck every month, and live very happily. It takes boldness to say, guys, we need to push this baby. We need to do more. We need to expand. We need to grow. Why? Because I want more people in my business. Why do I want more people in my business? So I can tell them about God. <laughs> Why do I want more people in my business? So they can earn more money. Why? So they can pay more tithes. Right? It takes boldness. I can maintain very easily, but the boldness to expand is different. If your bank account, month by month, goes backwards, you're missing something. You need to steward well enough so it can expand and it can grow. Use your gifts. Use your talents. Start a veggie farm. I don't know. Whatever. Right? Get a painting job. Do something to expand what you got. And it takes boldness. Don't live in fear. Okay? And the last one, of course, is act in wisdom. Spending of money, resources, time takes wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? Ask him. Ask him. Who was a wise, who was a wise guy in the Bible? Not a wise guy. That sounds funny. Who was a wise guy? Who was a guy with wisdom in the Bible? Solomon. And what did Solomon do? He literally was king. The Bible says there was none like him before and none like him after. He had so much. It was incredible. You can't even put him in a box. He had so much. And then the God of the universe comes to Solomon and says, now that I can see you're a good steward, you have this much, and you're so good at it, ask me what else would you like? Anything. This is like genie in a bottle, right? Polish the genie. What would you like? What would you like? Three wishes. And Solomon, imagine this. A king with that amount of riches, out of a humility and a humbleness, says, God, I don't even know how to look after your people. I don't know how to manage these resources, God. He doesn't ask for more. He says, Give me wisdom and give me understanding, discernment. Right? That's what the richest guy in history asked. And what did God do? He gave him more. Where does provision come from, people? From us? It comes from God. God gives him more. And to boot on the back of that, he goes, I'll even extend your life. Who wants to live till they're nice and old and gray? Be a good steward. Love your parents. Be a good steward. And God will provide more than you can ever imagine more than you can ever imagine. So like I said, it's a long sermon today, so be ready. Everybody's still awake? Wave at me. Ah, oh, your hands are up. I got you again. I got you again. So there's seven areas of stewardship. So like I said earlier, we don't want to talk just about finances. Finances is one of it, but there's seven areas of stewardship. I'm going to run through it really quick. I'm asking the Holy Spirit, and I've prayed for a long time now. If I speak any one of these points, and you go, hmm, that's me. You need to come to the front at the end of the service. I'm challenging all of you, okay? Come to the front. 
takes nothing to just say, God, I'm in. Step out, be bold, okay? And let somebody pray for you. I know some of these kids are like, miracles happen at the altars, right? This last week, miracles happen at the altars. It's something beautiful when you just step out. Johnny, man. So first thing, those areas of stewardship. Uh, The first one, I talked about it before. Your very life is something you need to steward, okay? My existence is not by coincidence. It's not by chance. It's a miracle gift from God. Your very life you need to steward. Jeremiah 10.23 says, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct your steps. How are you doing in the life department? If you think about it now and somebody said to you, are you stewarding your life well? What would you say, yes or no? Don't tell me the gray area in between. Don't say yes, but. Don't say no, but. Yes or no? Are you stewarding your life well? How is your time spent? How is your resources spent? Do you love your family? you spend time with your wife? What are you doing at your work? Are you diligent? Are you accurate? What is your life? Your very life is a gift from God. Steward that life well. Wake up in the morning with an energy in your heart that says, God, I got this. With you, I got everything. Let's go fight. Let's go do this thing. Next one. Nobody likes this one. Your influence. I'm asking you, how do you steward your influence? Okay? Think about that word. Matthew 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How do you steward your influence? Now I'm going to stand up for my little pastor friends in the front row. Pastor TJ jokes every Sunday about the emails he gets, and it is funny. A lot of those emails are funny. The more we have the more judgmental and opinionated we become. And all of a sudden, everything becomes a point of contention about what I think it should be, how I think it should be, what I think it should look like. Is that healthy? So my question is, what is your influence on people? Do you speak life? Do you bring light? Okay? I can joke with TJ and send him an email and say, three weeks ago, that shirt you had on was a little tight, buddy. You know? (laughs) Maybe there's a special at Coles. Go see if you can sort something out there, right? Or think about this. I can speak light. I know him well enough, and I have a relationship well enough with him that I know he goes to the gym three times a week. I know he's a diabetic, and I know he tries. So what's the difference? That shirt was a little tight. You need to see if you can change it. Or, hey, buddy, I'm proud of you for going to the gym three times a week. I love you. Keep fighting. You got this. Your influence is something you have to steward. And living in a different country like South Africa, I'll tell you guys boldly, I'm an American now, (laughs) but with a lot of money comes a lot of opinionated judgment. It should be like this. It should be like that. And even over our very church we sit within, we judge all the time. And we cover it with, it's just a thought. It's just a feeling. It's just an opinion. Who changes things and who changes people, you or God? So if you have an opinion, if you want to influence somebody, speak to him first. If after that you really feel that Pastor TJ needs to know about his small shirt, why don't you ask somebody else first before you tell him? Why don't you ask somebody else first? Hopefully in your marriage that would be the first place. I would go to Nadia and be like, I feel like I have to tell TJ about his shirt. And Nadia would say, You're being nuts. Love the guy. What are you doing? Right? Like, test yourself. 
but don't live in this opinionated, judgmental world that comes with affluence. Sorry. <laughs> they all love me, TJ. <laughs> um, so your influence. Be light, don't be darkness. Speak life, don't speak death. Your opinion alone can sound like death to the wrong person. Keep it to yourself. God changes things, not you. Don't throw your opinion at people all day long. It drives everybody nuts. <laughs> Clearly me too. Uh, next one. Uh, uh, your marriage and your children. How are you stewarding your marriage and your children? How are you stewarding your family? I, my dad always said, like, if you die, what would they write on your, on your gravestone? Loving father, good dad, you know, good husband. What would they write about you? Now, always the best people to ask about how you are stewarding your relationships with your family? Your family. Tough conversations, right? I sit with my boys and I go, what have I done good for you? And what do I do that hurts you? I sit with my wife and I say, I love you, but I know I'm short. So tell me where I'm good so I can just, just feel a little good and then tell me where I suck. <laughs> and it's okay. Mature believers can take that. Mature believers can take that. Take it on the chin. Suck it up, cupcake, as they say. <laughs> I said I would have no jokes. There's a couple in there, you know. So, um, And then the next one uh, would be money and possessions. And for that, I'm going to invite our very wonderful little guest speaker we have today, which, like I said, is a man that I uh, trust immensely and lives open-handedly and understands the concept of finances uh, and the gift that God has given us. So, Mr. Ward Kiever. Is there a microphone there? Oh, they're cheering, they're cheering. First of all, I want to thank Ruan. There's so much meat in what he is sharing. And God's Word is full of meat, and we can have our full. Um, Ruan, you shared uh, an idea that uh, we are not the source of our own wealth. And I just wanted to put a scripture with that, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. You may say to yourselves, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and in so doing confirms the covenant which he swore to your ancestors. So just in terms of scripturally, you are spot on. You are exactly where God would have you to be. Um, who is Ward Kiever? is not Ward Cleaver, but if that helps you remember, that's fine. Uh, if you could put a picture of the family up there. So Ward Kiever is the husband of Debbie Kiever, who's the former children's pastor here at Trinity for like 10 or 15 years. The father of Chip Kiever, who's the worship pastor here at Trinity. The father of Dan Kiever, who is the occasional drummer and youth volunteer at Trinity. The father in love of Madeline and Natalie Kiever, and also a father in the Lord to Pam Briannick and her husband Matt and their son Jonathan. 
Our family has actually been at Trinity for a long time, you might say since the gestation of Trinity, uh, like what, 17, 18 years ago? And uh, I was actually a founding board member. So we've been a little low profile lately because of God's call on our lives, but uh, we've been around and seen a few things. What qualifies Ward Kiever to speak on this topic? Uh, well, I do wealth management and fee-based financial planning for a living. Um, I bought my first stock when I was seven years old, and uh, uh, I have an honors degree in finance from the University of Delaware, and per se, all these world, worldly uh, acclaim, but most importantly, I was raised in a Christian home, and I'm thankful that my parents made sacrifices to send me to a Christian school where I learned God's word, and I gave my heart to the Lord. Um, specifically in sixth grade, I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and I have to admit that in that circumstance, they were preaching about hell, and I very quickly realized it wasn't a place that I wanted to go, and so I rapidly raised my hand and accepted Jesus as my Savior, but I think that if you understand the context, you would realize that that was basically what we would call fire insurance because they didn't want to end up in hell, so Jesus is my Savior, okay? But how many of you know that there's a big difference between Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord? I'm thankful that Jesus is my Savior. I have spent <clears throat> the last 45 years working on this concept of Lordship. And I want to let you know that I'm still working on it, and I still, unfortunately, fail regularly. But I'm thankful for God's grace. Jesus himself spoke more about money than he did about heaven, hell, and prayer combined. The Bible has over 2,000 verses or passages dealing with money and financial principles. So if God speaks so much about money, I think it's okay for us to speak about money. And in fact, everybody else is speaking about money. And if the church is not speaking about money, I submit to you that we are seeding very important territory uh, that we need to be uh, sharing uh, the truth from God's Word, uh, a biblical worldview, and a healthy understanding and relationship with money. As Ruan has said, uh, it's very difficult to grasp this concept of stewardship without a proper understanding of lordship. So praise God, he called a little audible this morning I'm going to abbreviate my comments, but the Eminem skit, uh, when they were rehearsing that about 20 minutes before service, God spoke to my heart and said, you need to do that. So I said, okay. So what I share with you uh, earlier this week, we're kind of doing a little different, all right? So basically, um, this to topic of tithing. So God's Word says in Matthew 25 that if we are faithful with a little, we will be trusted with much. Did you know that money is a test? Luke 16, verse 10 says, if you are faithful with little things, you will be faithful with large ones. But if you are dishonest with little things, then you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? If we are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will entrust us with true riches? Money is simply a test. So tithing. Tithing goes all the way back to Genesis, Abraham, 
It's in the very first book of the Bible. It's a biblical principle that is throughout Scripture. And Scripture is clear that it's not just the any old tenth. Like we talk about tenth is tithe, tithe is tenth. But it's not just any old tenth. It's the first tenth. It's the first fruits. And that could be a whole teaching unto itself. But specifically in Malachi, to be clear, is not the Italian prophet known as Malachi. It is pronounced Malachi, okay? <laughs> Should people cheat God? Yet you cheat me, says God. But you ask, well, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you, God? And God answers, you have cheated me in tithes and offerings which are due to me. You are under a curse. Your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse or into my house so that there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord, I will open the, head, the floodgates of heaven and I will pour down a blessing so great that you don't even have room to take it in. Try it. Do you know this is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me, try me, do this, and see what happens. Put me to the test, God says, and your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease, and your grapes will not fall off the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord God, and then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord God. Now, some think that tithing is a, quote, Old Testament concept, and, you know, because it's in the Old Testament and probably doesn't apply to us anymore today, although I think there's other concepts in the Old Testament that still apply, but again, that's a message for another day, okay? But let me ask you this. If Jesus himself said we should tithe, if Jesus himself said you should tithe, would that change things for you? Feel free to take a look at Matthew 23, 23. Jesus himself, red-letter version, it's in red, okay, speaking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, you hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Yes, you should tithe and do not neglect the more important things. So there you go. Jesus said we should tithe. So now what? Well, I would also say that, as Ruan said, God owns it all. And another passage, Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. So if God owns it all, he doesn't need our money because it's actually not ours. It's his anyway. And when we tithe, it also doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want with the other 90%. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. So I have spoken with those who don't tithe, and they explain to me that they cannot afford to tithe. I have spoken with those who do tithe, and they have explained to me that they cannot afford not to tithe. I would submit to you that in God's economy, 90% with God's blessing is always far more than 100% without God's blessing. So stewardship, is Jesus Lord, really, over everything in our lives, in your life and in my life? 
And if so, do we have a clear understanding of what he's entrusted to us that he expects us to manage and steward? Not just money, but influence, family, natural resources, etc. Have we asked ourselves individually and collectively, what has God entrusted to me? Why has God entrusted to me? And what does he expect me to do with this? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11 says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that, so there's your why, so that you can always be generous. And the needs of the believers in Jerusalem or Africa will be met and they will joyfully express their thanksgiving to God. So his word says that we are blessed to be a blessing. We are enriched in every way so that we can always be generous and that our God-enabled generosity will result in thanksgiving to our Heavenly Father. That is the purpose. That is why we have been entrusted with money or influence or time or other things to make him known and to generate thanksgiving and appreciation to him. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Ward. Um, just as a, as a quick side note, uh, there's a lot of spiritual things. We, maybe we should all get up for a second. Yeah, really. Everybody get up for a second. I'm practicing your feet and your breath and take a deep... Ah, it's a long sermon. I told you a lot of scriptures. Take a break. Take a deep breath. And then when you're comfortable, don't fall asleep again. Just sit down. Okay? You can sit down again. Thank you. Everybody's awake. Um, so what Ward said earlier, lots of spiritual and biblical truths. There's a very practical side to this. And this is not to talk about Ward's company and what he does, but there are professional services out there for people that need proper financial stewardship. So ask. Then there's also a lot of people in this church and elders and people that have a good understanding of financial stewardship. Ask. Okay? Send an email to info.tccd.com. And people will help. If you practically don't know what to do, how do I put a budget together? How do I spend my money? How do I make buying decisions? Ask. There's people that can help. Okay? So we're open to whatever you guys need. So just going through those points again, we talked about the seven areas of influence. We talked about your whole life, your very existence. We talked about your influence. We talked about your family and your marriage. Um, we talked about money and possessions. And then I mentioned time a few times, uh, and uh, it's important. Psalm 31, 14, 15 says, But I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Whew, amazing. He owns time. And I ask him, God, what do I do with my time? What do I do with my time? Very important. And again, I, I said it before. If you can't steward your time well, and you're always short of time, you ain't getting much more. Okay? I live a busy life. We all do. Make good, godly, wisdomful decisions about your time. Just like spending, so I choose what I fill my plate with, and I ask God if it's of Him. And you know what's not wrong as a Christian? To say no sometimes. It's okay. Say no. Oh, wait, I'm going to pray. It sounds all Christianese. I remember as a kid when somebody would be like, I don't know about that. I'll go pray. I'll let you know. The older I get, it's good. It's good. Hey, I'm not sure about that. I'm going to pray. I'm going to check it against the Word. I'm going to check it with my wife. I'm going to ask a guy. 
and then I make a decision about my time. Don't give it away so cheaply. It's valuable. It's valuable. It's a gift from God. The next one on the list of stewardship is your talents and your gifts. Uh, in 1 Peter 4, verse 10 to 11, it says, Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Gifts come in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so uh, as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To, be, to Him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Your gifts. At the beginning we said we are all gifted, uniquely gifted. I think sometimes with gift we get a little confused in the church because we believe gifts look like what happened on the stage in worship today. That is one part of gifts. That is one version and form of gifts. We have so many different gifts. There's some people that are gifted in sitting next to somebody that just lost a loved one and can just console them and cry with them and feel pain with them. That is a gift from God. There are some people that are gifted on the football field. That's okay too. And you live it out there. But we are all gifted differently. So as I speak, just think in your head, what are your gifts? Ask God to reveal it to you. It's funny. Figure out your gifts. It often lines up with your purpose, right? It often lines up. Figure out what those giftings are. Ask God to reveal it to you and walk that path out. Boldly, boldly, like the servants. Don't go digging in the ground. Boldly, live it out. And then finally, uh, when it comes to the seven areas of stewardship, and this is the big one, is the gospel itself. How are you stewarding the gospel? I'll cry. <laughs> the miracle of salvation, that the God of the universe loves me enough and by grace forgives me and calls me into His kingdom. Is that not just the most miraculous thing in the world? Who remembers the day they got saved? Who remembers the day they got baptized? That is a miracle, right? How are you stewarding that miracle? What are you doing with that miracle? Do you share the gospel with the people around you? When last did you deliberately have a conversation with somebody about Jesus and what he did in your life? Don't throw scriptures at people. Don't try and be a biblical scholar. Tell them, youth kids, this last week, be brave enough to tell somebody. It takes boldness. What happened in your life? Messy, confusing, don't understand it, don't know why. Fell over a few times I heard the youth last week, you know. Sometimes you stumble when the Holy Spirit knocks you upside the head, right? It's okay. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. Tell somebody about the day that you understood the love that Jesus has for you. That is a miracle in its own. Steward your miracles. Influence your time, your finances, your family, the gospel itself, your very life is a gift from God and a miracle so far beyond anything you can ever do. Why would you not see it as the miracle for it is? And steward that, right? So the question is, how are you managing your miracles? How are you managing your miracles? Do you see it as the miracles and the gift from God that it really is? And if you do, you would wake up every morning with a new passion to go do what God has called you to do. One thing that keeps us back from chasing these things down is comparison. So we compare a lot. So I'll, I'll show you one of my favorite pictures. Um, this is me and TJ and a couple of other people on the golf course. We suck at golf. There's no other way to explain it. We are, <laughs> we are we're bad at it. 
But I look at the four people in that picture and I'm like, how can you compare those four people to each other, even on the golf course? So I'm a lanky South African. I can hit the ball a country mile. I just can't hit it straight. <laughs> Tyler Harris, can, I don't know what it is between the we or what you guys do. He can putt. He can't do anything else on golf course. <laughs> eh, a few things. But he can putt. Like, I don't know, it must be the video game thing. I don't know what it is. But he puts putts in where I'm like, how is this possible? Mr. Bull over there, just like the rest of us, can't do much on golf course. But when he stands in the sand trap, it's ridiculous. I don't know how he gets the ball out of the sand that well every time. We're all just like, how's that? And TJ, just like the rest of us, can do very little on a golf course. But for some reason, when he takes a four iron off the tee box, it just works. Put the driver away. Take the four iron. It just works. How can we compare these four different gentlemen when we are all so uniquely gifted and clearly physically um, different? You can't compare. And this is the sickness of our world, right? Matthew 25, 15 says, to one was given five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to their abilities. Stop the comparison. Stop comparing. The sickness of this world is that the only thing we compare is finances. It's just how big, how much, how big the boat is, how big the airplane is, how much you can give. That is what we compare. And we forget that we are all uniquely gifted. We are all different. If you get to heaven and, God, and you stand in front of the gates and you, that sentence you want, good and faithful servant, you're going to say, God, I did great. I gave 10 million bucks to those kids in Africa that Ruan prayed about. And then God's going to go, that's not what I asked you to do. You missed the point. That was not your gifting. That was not the area I wanted you to excel in. So don't just make it about finances and don't compare. It's all different. Think about a couple of examples in the Word, right? Think about the lady that went to church and she threw her last couple of pennies in the basket. What did Jesus say to her? What did she, he say to the people? She gave pennies and Jesus said, she gave more than all of you. She is gifted differently than the rest and Jesus recognizes her exactly where he's placed her and says, you have given more. Jesus doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. He gifted her and she gave her a few pennies and that's all he asked for. Right? Think about the woman at the well. What was she gifted in? She was gifted in the gospel. She shared the gospel. She met God face to face. He woke her up, and she functioned in her gifting. He didn't ask her to write a check for $2 million. He said, share the gospel. That's what she did, and she did an incredible job of it, right? Changed the whole town, changed the whole area by that one lady. Who remembers the story of Zacchaeus in the Bible? Who remembers Zacchaeus? The guy that sat in the tree? right? Jesus, I'm going to climb a tree because I'm short of stature and you won't see me. I want to see Jesus. He climbs up in a tree. Who is Zacchaeus? He was a tax collector. He was like Matthew. But they say, some people say he was even worse. He's like, he was like a mobster. He wouldn't only get the taxes from the people. He would write a check and he would buy the taxes off the government and then he would inflate those taxes and he would charge the people even more. He was a mobster. He was a gangster. He climbs up in a tree because he wants to see this Jesus guy. What does Jesus do? He says, come down, Zacchaeus. Come down. Look me in my eyes. Let me speak to the identity that I've placed within you. And what does Zacchaeus do? A man that had worldly affluence, Zacchaeus says. First thing he says, he doesn't say, thank you for loving me. He doesn't say, God, I'm going to go, I don't know, what, dig a well in Africa. He says, I'm going to give half my money back. 
And to each one that I did in, and I'm going to give them four times back what I stole from them. So in that place, he had a financial thing. He had a gifting from God. He just used it wrong. And the moment God looked him in the eyes, he said, ooh, I realize, God, this is where I'm messing up. I'm giving it back. Each one differently, each one unique. So if we think about the last servant, um, that's the one where I want to talk a little bit about uh, that last servant, why did he put his stuff on the ground? Why do we put our things in the ground? I was afraid. I went and I hid your talents in the ground. All those giftings, all those things you have, your affluence, your time, your money, your family, your influence, the very gospel that we base our lives on, why are you hiding it in the ground? What makes you afraid? Well, I can't, like Ward said, I can't fully tithe. You know, because what if one of my kids gets sick? I need a little bit of money in the bank account just in case, right? I can't do this, God, that you called me for because just in case, this. The question is, is it maybe just in case you think God is going to fail you? He does not fail us. He's never failed us. He never will. Don't live in that space where I'm like containing, holding in, I don't want to be on the worship team just in case I look funny and don't sing too well. Come on. God's got you. God's got you. I don't want to share the gospel. Because what if I share the gospel and somebody looks at me funny? Oh, that's the weird guy. He always talks about Jesus. Oh, okay, so your position is more important than what God has given you? Just in case God fails me. Just in case God fails me. God doesn't fail. God doesn't fail. He loves you. But when we believe he's going to fail us, that's where the lacking mind, mindset comes from. We believe there's a lack in everything, and we just have to hold on to it because we don't trust that God's got our backs. God's got your back. So this is the part now where I said earlier, if anything we spoke today, if anything touched your heart, I'm even going to ask everybody at the back to switch the lights off if they can because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But even at your seat, even where you are, I'm going to challenge you. Walking forward means something. Walking forward means something. Every part of your life, are you stewarding well? Your family, your time, your finances, the gospel itself, your very life, are you stewarding well? So a couple of months ago, I, uh, I was really fighting through, and more than a couple of months ago, fighting through and working on the church finances, to be honest. And I was just in this lost space, like, God, how is this all going to come together? Figuring out the church finances, making sure that we're fighting for the gospel and for the kingdom, and using those resources well. So I decided to go to this conference with one of my friends. Uh, and for weeks before, I said to God, God, I need a specific word from you. I need something specific that you speak to me that's going to challenge my heart. And this is what I said earlier. This is the stuff that spoke to my heart. So we got there, and the first, uh, it was all teaching, teaching, teaching. And one of the nights, me and my friend were like, it's going to be this teacher this evening. And we both like, that guy, he gets so loud, and he screams, and I don't like that. And maybe we should skip it. What do we do? We choose to pray about our time. So we literally, in our little hotel bedroom, okay, five minutes you, five minutes me, let's talk afterwards. So we both pray. After we pray, we walk to each other. What did God say? We should go. Oh, what did he say to you? We should go. Oh, okay, get in the car, we're going. So we arrive there, um, and he gets up on stage, and it's a teaching conference, and he starts talking, and he goes, um, so hey, guys, it's a teaching conference, but I just want to tell you that I feel I need to share a prophetic word for you. Okay? And I'm immediately like, hmm. And he goes, and the word isn't only for you. 
that the word is specifically for your church. And I'm like, oh, okay, God, here we go. And uh, afterwards, I've shared this word with the church. Um, and remember the prophetic. It is a gift from God. But the prophetic is also something to be tested. If this is for you, if you feel it, that's okay. If you don't, that's also okay. If you're not sure, go ask somebody. Go read the word, go pray about it, and see if this word is you. Okay? So he's talking the night, and he was talking about the story about Jesus and how Jesus' ministry started. So we all know Jesus was about 30 years old when his ministry started. He started preaching, and the first thing Jesus then does is he, of course, finds these couple of disciples, which was actually just silly little fishermen, just like all of us. No special people, just normal people, right? So Luke 5, uh, where Jesus calls his disciples, verse 3, it says, getting out of the boat. Uh, okay, I'll read from there. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put him out for a little, on, a little from land. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But as your word, I will let down the nets. Obedience, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. Their nets were breaking. So he trusted God for the provision. God provided more than he can cope with, and their nets were breaking because what God gave was so much that they couldn't even cope with it was so much that they couldn't even cope with it. But if I try and take ownership, the word toiled in that section, if I try and take ownership, if I believe I'm going to be this great parent for my kids and I'm just going to show everybody that my kids just look so wonderful and I want to own those kids and I forget the miracle of where it comes from, I try and take ownership of that and that's the wrong place to start from. That is toiling. That's just messing around, messing with my, okay, God, I'm going to do this, or my time, or my finances. If I'm not accurate, if I don't steward well with my finances, I'm just toiling. God, I'm just going to work hard, and if I work hard, then I'm going to get a little bit more, instead of understanding the miracle that it comes all from Him. So I work very hard, and I try very hard. Listen carefully. Your nets will not contain the blessing that God has for you. By your own power, by your own might, by your own trying to take control and own everything, your nets will not hold the blessing that God has for you. It'll break. You will be depressed. You will have anxiety. You will have stress because the bank account will never come together. Your time will never be enough. Your kids will never be smart enough and good enough. You'll always feel guilty about not sharing the gospel with those you love. Your own nets will not hold it. And so what happens after that? Jesus then spends three years with those disciples, right? Three years where he loves them, cares for them, is intimate with them, has meals with them, sits by the table, laughs with them, cries with them. Just so intimately the God of the universe wants to spend his time with you. So my question is, what are you holding on to? What are you trusting so much in your own nets, in your own life, where you're risking that those nets are going to break. So after all that time that Jesus spends with them, and eventually he allows man to torture him, to crucify him, he dies for all of us. 
and he is resurrected back to life again, just like the prophet spoke. That same God lived that life with them, and now he comes back to them after his resurrection, and he says to them, hey, here I am, and he's trying to reveal himself to them. And the story goes on in John 21, where it says, verse 4, early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Isn't that us? He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? The same Jesus that gave them fish at the beginning, right? Broken nets. No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. He is the provider of your time, your resources, your talents, your giftings, your family. He is the provider. Then the disciples whom Jesus loves, Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped up his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even so, with so many fish, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. What's the difference? What happened in the three years in between? At the beginning, they only had a concept of understanding of who Jesus was. Three years went by, intimately spending time with Jesus, intimately finding out who Jesus is, understanding Him, knowing Him, and understanding the love that He has for Him. And so from a place, all of us, from a place of living by our own power, trying to, with our old nets, trying to contain the catch and the, the quantity and the giftings that God has for us with nets that'll break, I ask all of you now, are you willing to give your lives to Jesus and trust that with Him now, your nets will not break? Stop fearing. Stop fearing. Don't put your gifts and your talents in the ground. It is a gift. Share the gospel. Love on people. Understand that it's Him. He is the owner. He is the provider. We are called to steward. So won't you all stand with me now? If you feel any of this today has touched your heart, if you want to fully understand and want God to reveal to you what stewardship really means, do you have a full understanding of how to manage your time, your family, your influences, the gospel? If you say no on any of those counts, I ask you to come forward. I ask you to come forward. Let us pray for you. Come forward and bow your heads. I'll start praying as you come forward. So Jesus, we just thank you, Father God. We just thank you, Father God, for your provision, Father. You are the owner, Father. You own it all. You put the gold in the mountains. You put the gifts in our hearts, Father. You miraculously saved us, Father. The gospel is in us because of you searching for us, Father, and your love that you have for us. I thank you, Jesus, that you love us that much. And even now, for some of these in front of me, Father, I just pray, and even for those at home, Father, I just pray that 
you would open up our stubborn hearts and give us hearts of flesh, Father. Let us feel what you want to teach us, Father. Let us understand that where we are short, you're not condemning us, you're just convicting us, Father. By your grace, we are saved, Father. We thank you that you love us. But most importantly, Father, I just pray that we would stop relying and trusting on our broken nets, Father. That we would rely on you, Father. That we would not dig our giftings and our talents into the ground, Father, but that we would just give it to you, Father. You are the owner, and we ask that you would help us to steward those giftings, Father. And we pray, Father, and we thank you, Father, that we know by your grace and your power our nets will not break, Father. I proclaim it, I declare it over this church, over these people, that our nets will not break, that we will not only catch the fish that you have for us, Father, but that our capacity would expand, that our time would expand, that our influence would expand, that our finances and our impact on the kingdom financially would expand. And more than anything, Father, that the gospel would go forth with boldness and strength, that we would save souls, Father, for your kingdom. And we pray that you would just love us in that place, Jesus. And so at the end of all of that, Jesus sat with his disciples, and the last thing he said to Simon, he asked Simon, Simon, do you love me? And I'm asking all of you now, Jesus asks you, do you love him? Do you love him? So steward well what he has given you because God's command is just like it was for Simon, then feed my sheep. Jesus asked, feed my sheep. Use your time. Use your resources. Use your finances, your family, your very life and give it for the kingdom and feed his sheep. They are souls that are lost. They are kids that are hungry. God has not got the lack. We are the lack. Submit to Him. Steward well the gifts that He's given you. Be diligent. Don't hide it in the ground. I pray in Jesus' name that all of us would take this with us this week. Go fight for the gospel. Go fight for the kingdom. Just linger and just pray. Just enjoy your time with him. And if uh, you want to be dismissed, you're welcome to be dismissed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or Follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.